It means seeing your flaws, seeing your accepting flaws, them, accepting and realizing, and realizing I, can I can do better. So, these are just a few thoughts to think about on this podcast. So, welcome to Winning with Trevor. I appreciate your ears, your minds, and the time that you spend contemplating how you can be successful. And I just want to say I celebrate you if you've spent the time to contemplate. No matter what you're doing right now, you know, if you're listening to this podcast because you're on your way to see your child in another city. Maybe you're listening to this podcast because you're commuting from home to work or from work to home. Maybe you're listening to this podcast because you want to tune out the voices of other people at your job, and this is just that moment to do that. Whatever you're doing right now, you're engaging in something really important. You're pausing. You're having a moment of contemplation. You're thinking about stuff. You're listening to this podcast, and whatever has led up to this moment right now in your life, all the random events, the accumulation of catalysts, of responses and reactions and luck, bad luck, good luck, everything that is cumulatively added up to this very moment has created you and who you are. And you are here right now as a result of that. Listening to my voice, recognize how you were created in your own unique way. And that self-awareness, which is our theme, is beautiful. But it's hard to cultivate that if we're not spending that moment to really ask ourselves, what is meaningful to us? What is really meaningful to you? You have to spend that moment contemplating, thinking. You know, it sounds almost unrealistic or surprising, but there are people who don't like thinking. And for them, thinking is a challenge. And it actually, I, there was a, a girl I went to high school with, and she actually told me that thinking physically hurt her head. And she wasn't a special needs child. She was a regular girl, but she just did not like thinking. And it's fascinating when you think about it, no pun intended, because it's all about context. You go back, you know, a few thousand years to ancient Grecian, you know, uh, culture for ancient Greece, and they loved that kind of stuff. I mean, their focal point, right? It was centered around contemplation for a lot of those famous philosophers to have emerged from that era. It was because... That was more of a focal point. I mean, you know, Plato and Socrates and all these ancient philosophers, it wasn't always, you know, all puppy dogs and fluffy clouds. I mean, I think even Socrates had some kind of issue where he wouldn't renounce his beliefs and, and was executed for it or something like that, I believe. But, I mean, another person, I think it was Einstein, said, or Benjamin Franklin, that a... A life that is not self-examined is not worth living, and there's, there's a great deal of truth to that. Whether that's a relative truth or a factual truth, I mean, it's, there's something there. Because if we go through life just, you know, doing our, our daily duties and not spending a time, you know, inside of ourselves, spending that time to think and contemplate, what's meaningful to you? What do you find meaning in? What's special to you that warms your little heart 
we really have to think about things like that because this, you know, it determines how we divest our attention and how we invest our energy and time because we can do a lot of different stuff and it's okay, but we're just, it's like busy work. You know, you, you have a job and you're doing stuff and it's like, is this, is there really a real quality to this? Or am I just kind of passing time? And life is so precious. The time that we have in our life is so amazing when we learn how to spend it like jewels, when we treasure how precious every single freaking moment can be when you pack it full of like experiences. Now, this is different from the globe-trotting Enron exec <laughs> flying this and that and, you know, not, not, not that I have anything against traveling. I love traveling. I love flying. But I'm just saying, uh, it's not a matter of, I guess, filling moments in the way you would at a job with just busy work. But finding out what's meaningful to you is part of this process of contemplation, which is connected to our theme of self-awareness. Having that awareness of yourself. What really makes you feel like you're doing something meaningful. I can say, for me, one of the things that I love music, I love writing, I love hiking, I love nature, I love photography, I love capturing just that moment of beauty, whether it's, you know, a bird on a branch and the shadows at sunset where each blade of grass has its own shadow, or random conversations with people downtown crossing a busy intersection on the crosswalk, so caught up in their own conversation they don't realize they're part of this cityscape, this whole environment. Right? I love things like that. That gives my life meaning. Being able to empower other people and say, you know, that little, I guess, dose of, of water in your face to wake you up. Because people undercut themselves all the time. They say, I'm not worth it. I don't really count, doesn't really matter, blah, 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 blah. People say that. I love being able to say, hey, wait, 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 wait. You actually do matter, and you're really important to your friends and your family, and it's totally worth it. Try a little harder, do a little better, you know, however you want to phrase it, in your life. Add that qualitative edge of having that intention, which is developed through contemplation. So part of what gives my life meaning is being able to help other people kind of get to that next level of potential, to be that catalyst for others. I love that. I mean, I wish I would have had something like that when I was younger. It's, it's, a, it's a really um, engaging thing when someone else kind of turns that key and unlocks part of your mind or your potential, your personality, and says, let's explore. Who are you really? Who are you really? Let, let's, let's look a little deeper. Like uh, the tagline for the movie previews for American Beauty. Look a little closer. Look closer. So I think contemplation is, is undercut as well as we undercut ourselves. I was talking to a friend of mine today at work and about potentially uh, getting on an interview here. And she's a really cool person. Uh, she's into metaphysics and philosophy and 
contemplation of deeper issues. I think she'd be a great guest, but she doubted what she could contribute. And it's kind of funny because I see this a lot. And sometimes it's, it's more prevalent amongst people that have the most to give rather than folks that don't have a whole bunch to give. It's funny, you know, because it's all about, I guess, just the, the idea we have in our head of how we value ourselves. And it's about where that time and energy we've spent on contemplating goes. Are we contemplating the outcome of your, you know, NFL season? <laughs> no, nothing against sports fans. You know, I like sports. I like basketball a lot. But, you know, what's, what's, what's your return on that investment, you know? Are, are you spending time contemplating the hows and whys of, of meaningful moments in your life? I mean, now, let's just be realistic. We can't all spend every single moment of our life thinking about the meaning of life. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to live our life because we'd be too busy thinking about how to live our life. So that, that doesn't really work. You got to be part of it. You got to live your life. But taking aside that moment, just being like, hey, what do I find meaning in? Let me contemplate this. You know, it's, it's funny the role that technology plays because right now we're such a techno technological culture. So many things are focused around that, value systems even. And, you know, we're not really encouraging children to uh, be contemplative. We're saying, hey, be a software engineer for Apple. It's not really widespread. I think, you know, as I guess we've become more connected through social media and the internet, et cetera, et cetera, there is more conversations going on. But there's also a fear of having real dialogue. There's this strange isolation that technology has created where people are so frightened of having real conversations where they mutually respect another person's opinion. It's become this kind of weird political town hall that if you disagree with someone, you have to worry more about hurting their feelings than expressing your own point of view because you've thought about this and you've spent time really coming up with your own ideas about something, which is different than regurgitating the views of an AM radio talk show host. There is a difference. Uh, but spending that time yourself thinking about what things are, why they are the way they are, and the conclusions you've drawn from that, and being able to have a real discussion that's respectable is not something that's valued very highly right now in our culture. It's something that has kind of descended into a mudslinging contest. It's very odd. It's not, it's not how it used to be. Uh, we didn't always have that fear of conversation. And I think people have this fear of real dialogue right now because they're afraid of examining themselves. They're afraid of that never-ending story, gigantic mirror that was it a Treyu or Sebastian that looked into to see his real self, right? People are afraid of who they really are. It's weird. We shouldn't be because that person we should love, take care of, nurture, water like a plant with love and care and attention because it's like mutual funds. I hate to sound so, so much like an accountant. 
but or a stockbroker, but you know, it's an investment. We're investing in we're not going to accrue interest on our dividend if we're investing in self-hatred and it's hidden beneath these layers, right? Because we don't have that self-awareness nurtured. We don't have that time spent contemplating what is meaningful to me, who am I, what made me this way, and what would I like to change about myself? Instead, people are perched on these precarious cliffs of ego, sensitive, sensitive ego, and self-defensiveness, where any comment that I guess is reflecting a part of who they are in an unfavorable light, they want to extort this payment of apologies that you've hurt their feelings now, instead of saying, I'm clearly overly sensitized about this issue and maybe I need to work through some things to be able to talk about stuff. Because it's through dialogue that we find that common ground. We find a way to utilize each other as resources because we do have different perspectives on the same thing, which means we're able to use each other as a resource because not one person has every single view of a single thing down perfectly. But having those that may not always agree with us share a different perspective on things that isn't something that's touted by another person, but like really something that they've spent time thinking about. And it adds depth and perception so that we can actually get stuff done. It's a beautiful thing when we overcome our differences and we're able to mutually respect each other's opinions. I don't think I can talk about that on this podcast because that's a that's a huge thing right now that's not happening in this world. And I don't know if I can turn on a light switch and solve that for the whole freaking globe. I'd love to be able to. Maybe I can. Maybe this podcast is going to be this incredible thing in the future. I don't know. It's growing kind of fast. But... I do know this. I find it meaningful to help other people, and I think other people find it meaningful to help other people too. And if we kind of spread that philosophy, and that's your intention, I think it would be great. I think we would all develop ourselves a little better. I, I know this is kind of borderline this whole peace, love, and happiness of the 60s, and not to say they didn't have value, but we definitely have to be specific with how we attempt to help other people. And we can't help other people by um, pressuring them to change and saying, you have to be this way or you have to be that way or you're not legitimately a good person. That's some elitist bullshit. No, none of that. More along the lines of leading by example, but how can you lead by example if you are too busy kind of just doing busy work in your life, you know, and you're not really doing a substantial, meaningful change to who you are, you're just kind of filling in the time, which I think a lot of us, you know, and I do too, right? We get stuck sometimes with just filling in the time. And it's like, wait, there is actually a better way to do this and that's by specifically investing time and energy in that beautiful act of contemplation. To contemplate 
what is meaningful to you and contemplate that sincerely because we have this weird relationship with technology. You know, we, we want to improve things. We want to make things better. But this whole judgment of what's better, it's a relative term. People get stuck in this. It has to be something new and high tech and instantly that makes it better because it's got that shiny leather smell, but it's not really true. We're so isolated from each other because of technology right now. Young young people, especially really young children, they're now in this real addicted to technology state and they're having a hard time cultivating that ability to contemplate. It's not encouraged. People are rather, you know, encouraged to just be clicking on the buttons rather than spending that moment thinking about what they care about and who they really are. So what does that end up happening, right? Well, 20 years later, yeah, they got the newest tech toys, but they're not happy because they never spent time thinking about what makes them happy. Wow, look how simple I broke that down into. It really is that simple. You just have to think about it. People don't think about stuff. It makes the head hurt to think. I don't know. It's a habit of not thinking. It's a habit to do the busy work. You know, there's this book uh, called The Giver. And a movie came out recently. I think it's on Netflix. It's okay. The, the movie is all right. It wasn't bad, but, you know, it's hard to equal the book often in that transition from, you know, book to movie. Now, we're not going to do a thumbs up, thumbs down, Siskel and Trevert uh, review here. That's not what this is about. This is not going to be a Yelp review where I'm going to talk about how the waiter had terrible fashion since and spilled the coffee, shaken, not stirred, onto my brand new white leather suit. No, we're not going to do Yelp reviews here. So I'll leave it up to you if you want to watch the movie. I encourage you to read the book instead. So spoiler alert, I am going to reveal part of the plot. Not all of it, but The Giver, okay? It's kind of this example of, of how technology, when taken to the extreme in a certain way, can kind of bleed out, I guess, the, the meaning in things. It can, it can make it some weak sauce where it's thinned out. It's like, I don't know what kind of fancy allegory or analogy I'm trying to make here. Let's just drop it. The point is, is that in this future society that's depicted in The Giver, basically they've controlled the temperature, they've controlled the weather. You know, when you think about it, technology is all about control, right? It's all about optimizing and putting things in little boxes, controlling nature. And, you know, maybe sometimes it's good. Sometimes it ends up cutting down a rainforest or two or a hundred. And, you know, it's not really that great for oxygen on our planet because we don't have as many trees and indigenous, you know, ecosystems. But, you know, ideally technology could be used to really optimize our use of resources. I would love to see that. It's not really all one way or the other. It's a mixed bag. In this culture of the future that's written in The Giver, and I don't know when this book was written. It was a while ago. It was before, I think, the Internet ever came to be uh, in popular use. But basically, everyone is very controlled emotionally. They don't have a wide range of, of expressions because they're only told 
very limited amounts of information when they're growing up, so they don't really have a lot to go on. And they don't even have the ability to see color. Everything they see is in black and white. And there's one person called the giver in their society who retains all the memories that were before, I don't know, the five years of communal history, I guess, they keep in their brains. I didn't think it really got that specific or mentioned that, but the point, I'm saying this again, the point is, is this giver person, he saw in color, and he was able to remember the history of the different types of existence that they had lived before they had quote-unquote solved everything in this controlled society. And, you know, it didn't really work out. You know, spoiler alert, uh, it didn't really work out in this society because human beings were organic, were dynamic, and it's amazing, right? This, this culture and the future depicted in The Giver did not have contemplation. People, people didn't think about stuff. It wasn't something that was important to them. It wasn't something that was valued or something they felt that they were even able to do. And it's funny because even right now, so many people in this completely free and not futuristically controlled society, at least in the West, you know, people don't feel like they can think about things. They'd rather do busy work. They'd rather be a little hamster on their hamster wheel, thinking they're going the distance while running in place because all they're doing is busy work. Instead of that real hard work that, you know, has the ultimate payoff if you're going to invest because it is all about how you're investing your time and your energy to get a return. You're not going to get interest on your mutual funds invested in knowing random trivia and busy work in your life, but that time invested in asking yourself what is meaningful, then you become the giver. Then you become that person that's amazingly insightful and contemplative and not for the sake of patting yourself on the back and saying, I'm an intellectual. But it's more along the lines of saying, I have emotional intelligence. I have the ability to really think and feel deeper and engage in my life than simply going through the motions but not really feeling it as you do it, which is totally different from this kind of weird hijacked way of people nowadays going about like wearing their hurt feelings on their shoulder as if it's like some kind of I guess battle axe to bludgeon other people with to demand that others you know I guess kowtow beneath their offendedness this is totally different but being able to feel the full range of emotions to see all the colors not just your few three or four you know, or one or two, but to see the entire spectrum, the vibrant spectrum of being emotionally, dynamically engaged with life by asking yourself honestly and sincerely, what do I find meaning in when I contemplate myself and the world that I live in and the relationships that I have with other people? There is something really amazing, and, and it happens, this change inside of you, 
when you become this person who's sitting in a room and you're the only person in that room that is truly awake, that is truly actually seeing everything around you. You know, Malcolm X, he used to sit with his back facing the, the wall and facing the door because he wanted to be aware of who was coming in to make sure he wasn't targeted. And it was one of his kind of things he had to stay awake and to stay aware. Constant vigilance is the price of freedom, right? We have this cycle of going to sleep and waking up, going to sleep and waking up, or always being asleep and never waking up, right? A lot of people are in this, like the Matrix, you know, with Neo and and Morpheus, where people are stuck inside this fantasy world that's not even real. The problem with that is they think it's better than the real world, when in reality they're they're eating dust, doesn't even exist because they're they're eating their ideas of life instead of living it, instead of being there, being fully engaged and participating in life by asking those hard questions. What is meaningful to me? Let me contemplate my life. Let me evolve my self-awareness beyond the busy work, beyond just doing what I have to do. You don't have to think about things. You could be one of those clones from the future society, so carefully temperature moderated and controlled into your little box where you're able to press your buttons and run on your hamster wheel. And yes, you get all the right answers, but you don't ask the right questions. And that's what we're here to do on this podcast is to ask those questions. And I want to ask you a question. If you're not already, why aren't you subscribed to my weekly email newsletter on Tuesdays that comes out because in that newsletter I explore how specifically we can take steps towards making our life better by shifting our perspectives in those vital crucial ways that have that domino chain of effect of transformation of making us into better human beings and not for some gold star that we can pat ourselves on the back about, but for like a wholesome, fulfilling life. That's worth it. Being happy is worth the effort. And the effort is not done in a way that's just about force. It's the effort to understand, to expand the comprehension of our self. Instead of just saying, self, I don't really care. I'm going to go through these automated motions, this autopilot. I'm not going to tune in to you I don't really know you. I'm afraid to engage in genuine, sincere dialogue where I'm actually vulnerable, right? We're afraid of that, and we don't need to be. You know, one of the things that makes, I guess, for me, conversation such a powerful thing that I never shy away from, that I never duck and hide from when I have a chance to genuinely engage and why I'm able to stare other people unafraid in the eyes and discuss meaningful things is because I'm not afraid to be vulnerable if I have to be. If I need to open up and say, yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, I have been people I don't like. I've done things that I am ashamed of in the past. I'm no longer those people. I have accepted that I've made those mistakes. I don't think it's okay to make the same mistake. I've tried to transcend them and I've done my best in my own human fallible way. But I know through embracing this vulnerability of saying I am 
I'm imperfect. I've fucked up. But I care about other people. I care about myself. I care about this world. And I care to give a damn about doing something. Being active. Being proactive. Getting out there in the world. Doing something good. Smiling at other people genuinely. And, and giving that small gift to other people of my genuine, sincere person. And it's a huge thing. Being yourself isn't something that's easy, right? In the last podcast that uh, I did, we, we covered, you know, uh, an interview with Doc Deuce, local hip-hop artist. He talked about some of his struggles in the past with depression. And one of his ways of overcoming that was to smile as long as there was a reason to smile, to really focus and use his power of attention and focus to find the good in life and focus on that. That's all choice. It comes from contemplation. It comes from that self-awareness that grows and develops when you contemplate. Instead of accepting the series of automated emotions that we get handed by our impulsive reactions programmed into us by a series of situations we've gone through in life, by the things we've been told by our parents, by the media, by the planned reactions that we just do because we've done them before and we'll do them again, that bullshit, right? We can transcend that. We can grow beyond that. We can make a decision and say, let me contemplate what is meaningful to me. What was meaningful to Doc Deuce? Right? His son is meaningful to him. His son is a, is a great reason for him to try harder to do better, but he also wants to find a sustainable system for being emotionally balanced for the long term because he has contemplated this. He has spent time thinking about his life, what he needs to do to get his life going in the right direction. If you just went through life facing one adversity after another adversity, what hope do you have of ever changing that cycle? You have to contemplate things to do something different, to be proactive, to be your own advocate. It's funny how people don't try to advocate for their own survival as an emotional being, as a spiritual being, as a, as a catalyst in this world to create change that does something beautiful for the planet for your fellow human beings, right? I mean, I don't know. I have a sense of responsibility, I feel. I owe this world. I don't always know that I'm doing things the exact best, most perfect, 100% way. I keep it 100 as best as I can, you know? And, and sometimes I didn't really want to take this journey. I didn't really want to be someone that was talking on a podcast. I didn't really want to be a public speaker that was out talking to thousands of people on the news and about ways we can bridge gaps in our community. I mean, I've done all these things, but it, it's all something that's just happened because I felt called to do something more than just absorb food and sleep and have sex and go to sleep and work and wake up and rinse and repeat. Yeah, you can do that, but there's more out there. There's something bigger over the horizon. It is not just the grass is greener on the other side. It's the fact that are you even seeing color? Are you even able to see color? Are you just another person on a hamster wheel 
Or are you someone that is saying, I see the bars to this prison of habitual thought. I'm going to break free. I'm going to feel things again. None of this touchy, I'm going to be offended way of, of using feelings as a way to extort apologies from other people, but in a way that says I'm fully and dynamically engaged in the entire range of what I am capable of. And, you know, it's a step-by-step. You ain't going to be Mahatma Gandhi tomorrow. And I, I, mean, I use him a lot. He's just a public figure. He wasn't perfect either. He had plenty of mistakes and flaws. He did some amazing things too. It's kind of like us, you and me. We're in this together. You have your flaws, I have mine. But we're, we're doing something more. We're thinking, we're contemplating. We're, we're finding ways to do more than just the regular, everyday bullshit. Which is fine. You know, we all gotta pay bills. We all gotta get by. But beyond that, you can do something. And even if that something is just spending a little time every day contemplating what's meaningful to you. What's meaningful to you? Well, I definitely encourage you to sign up for my email newsletter. Uh, I love to get feedback as well in the newsletter about the topics you like covered. Custom tailor some of that to the feedback that my readers give me. And, you know, if you have some suggestions on topics you'd like to cover, I love that feedback as well because I, I want to help everyone out find what their zen is, what their spot is where they're able to just get to that next level of self, that next level of you. So it comes out every single Tuesday in the morning, and I go over basically the steps. I tell personal stories of things that have happened that have really changed my perspective. It's pretty entertaining, as well as I get into the details of what you can do as well to be a self-empowered individual. And you can click on that website link and get my free ebook. The Five Tools for Successful Relationships. Real groundbreaking work there. People have used it. They've changed their life. They've reported back to me. And they've said that they've actually used the things that I've taught in there to really make a big difference in their life. And that makes me feel good. I'm glad. But I want to let you know it's also a resource for you to use. It's free. No catch. So you can go ahead and click on that website link uh, for the... Uh, the podcast on iTunes and I believe Anchor.com also has the link there. So, uh, if you like this podcast, please rate it highly. Please share it with your friends and your family and your neighbor and your neighbor's cat. Play this podcast for your neighbor's cat and see how they react. Right, meow. Right, meow. I want to see, see what is meaningful, what is meaningful besides cat food, cat food and chasing birds for your neighbor's cat. If your neighbor doesn't have a cat, buy him a cat. No, I don't officially endorse that. I'm just being silly. I'm trying to laugh it off because sometimes we have hard weeks. Sometimes humor is a great way to alleviate that. And I wish you the best. I'm glad you're tuning in. I'm glad you're making progress because every single week that you're tuned in, you're learning new tools to improve your life. And I'm happy to help with that process. This wraps up another episode of... Winning with Trevor, your no BS guide to self-improvement. Have a good one. Have a good one. It means seeing your flaws, accepting them, and realizing I can do better. So these are just a few thoughts to think about.
on this podcast. This is Winning with Trevor, signing off. Appreciate your ears, your minds, and the time that you spend contemplating how you can be successful.